This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Hello, I'm Anita Arnand and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. Well, you heard about the uh, headlines from the World Cup. Has nothing on the drama delivered by the Brexit negotiations this week. We've had a Tory rebellion, which was off and now appears to be on again. Um, What do you make of all this? If the government can't do deals with its own backbenchers, how are they going to do deals elsewhere? Are you really angry with Dominic Grieve et al? Or are you right behind them? More power to their elbow, do you say? Get in touch. Let me know what you've made of all of this. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Um, We can talk about Northern Ireland's abortion laws. Is it time to bring them in line with the rest of Britain and Ireland? Do you think the government should step in? Uh, if you have had to travel for an abortion, if you live in that region, do get in touch with them and tell me what you think should be done. Also, we can talk about universal credit. I know that's a particularly um, popular subject today. What are your experiences? Has it been an unmitigated disaster? Is it worth the money that's being spent on it? Your thoughts, 03700 100 444. And also, what matters to you most of all at this time? Is it a politician who is loyal to the party, to the leader, or somebody who breaks the party line if they just don't agree with it. And should rebels be fined? 03700 100 444. You can tweet using the hashtag BBCAQ or you can text using 84844. Let's, though, start with uh, Brexit. It's been quite the week, um, right until the last minute. It looked as though there'd been an agreement. It looked as though a rebellion was off. And then Dominic Grieve, clutching a piece of paper, said, look, the government has just changed a vital paragraph at the last minute and we will not sign up for this. Let's take a call. Andy Marshall calling us first of all. Hello, Andy. Hi, how are you doing? I'm Hello, all right. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you, Andy. So the demand from uh, Dominic Grieve was, look, it, there should be a meaningful vote on this. What do you think? Yeah. I think if a meaningful vote is given to Parliament, it will effectively be the death of Brexit. Uh, They are tantalising the Remain side, tantalisingly close to finding a legal means of overthrowing the 2016 referendum result, and the meaningful vote would give them exactly that. It guarantees two things. First of all, a bad deal offer from the EU, because if they're negotiators in the EU, know that it can be thrown out. Why would they give us a, a, a great deal? They'll give us one that will definitely be thrown out. Secondly, it gives the Remainers in Parliament uh, the chance to reject envy in every deal. They could come back with three, four or five deals. We could be talking about this in 20 years' time. And, of course, from the Remain side, that's exactly what they want. They can still respect, as they keep saying, the result of the referendum, but never actually leave the sort of Hotel California scenario. And the meaningful vote on Brexit would be effectively the death of Brexit. If that is given, I don't believe Brexit will ever happen. Mm. I mean, you're, you're quoting um, the Eagles and Hotel California. What about Bananarama? It ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. Uh, those Remainers who are saying, look, actually, we're not trying to stop this from happening. We just want it to happen in the right way. And this whole Brexit referendum was fought on giving Parliament sovereignty. This is what parliamentary sovereignty looks like. It's having scrutiny from the House and having the House have its say. Well, to quote someone else, they they would say that, wouldn't they? Um, They are obviously not going to say our intention is to continuously thwart the Brexit until it basically fades and and everyone forgets about it and we can move on. 
But that is their intention, and they are tantalisingly close to getting that. They, what they need, what they are looking for, and have been since the beginning, is a legal, parliamentary way of not doing Brexit. And the meaningful vote gives them exactly that. It means that whatever, whatever uh, deal the government comes back with, they could say... We don't want okay. it. No, I, I, um, then I, it would go on forever ad infinitum. You right. know? OK, thank you very much indeed. Let's take another on this. David McManus is calling us. Hello, David. Hello. Hello. Hi. Good oh, afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, so what do you want me to say? I mean, I think... <laughs> I want you to say what you think, where, David. Where I came in on this when I spoke to your um, lady before is actually everybody's forgotten that the MPs had no right to say that we'll do exactly what you want. Because, A, it wasn't clear. <laughs> it was just a yes-no thing. What do they mean? Oh, well, yeah. And, P.S., it wasn't a binding vote. If it had been a binding vote, there would have been a qualified majority, like 55%. Hmm. Did you hear our, our, our previous caller, Andy, who said, you know, this is what Remainers are dreaming of. They're dr- dreaming of any kind of fudgy outline so that they could... <sighs> Drag negotiations down in those and create a situation where we never leave. Hmm? It was a fudgy question. Well, no, the question was the question was a clear question. The question was was the opposite of fudgy, wasn't it? What does it mean in practice? And how do we do it? That that wasn't on the ballot paper. (laughs) Everybody thinks, oh, oh, you know, the MPs who who fudged together this coalition, they they weren't in a position to deliver it. And Mrs May had the sense to say. Crikey, I haven't got a mandate to deliver this. I'd better call an election. And thank so-and-so that she did. Okay. Because she's now got to work through through the House rather than try and whip her own MPs into delivering what they weren't actually mandated to do. OK, thank you very much. Let's take another on this. David Green is calling us from Fleet in Hampshire. Hello, David. Hello there. Hi, what do you want to say? Well, um... The Irish border question has been uh, raised as a major issue which could derail the Brexit process. Uh, I've got relatives in the border area. I'm married to an Irish lady from just south of the border, Mm -hmm. and I've got an interest in this. So I've been doing some research into the actual trade figures of trade across the Irish border. I've contacted the Irish embassy in London and also the Northern Ireland Statistics Research Association. Right, OK. And what, what, are they, what does all of that research tell you? It tells me that the trade that the Republic does with, the, with Northern Ireland is a very small percentage of its total exports. It is, one, it is 1.3% or, or thereabouts, which means that it does over 98% elsewhere. Uh, most of the trade that the Republic does is through its ports at uh, Dublin and Rosslare or via the airport, uh, going across to Britain, using the motorways to get to the Channel ports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I'm trying to give some perspective. And the trade that the Northern Ireland does with the south of Ireland is about 14% of Northern Ireland's yeah. Uh, total export. So, so, so just, I mean, just because time is against us, are you suggesting, therefore, by quoting those numbers, that there is something of a red herring uh, in all of the arguments and worry and concern about the border issue? I think it's overblown, over-exaggerated. There was a free trade uh, um, agreement between Britain and Ireland, which ran from 1965 until we both joined the common market. Trade was smooth then. 
a similar arrangement can be set up now. Yeah. And just on that, just finally, because we're going to move on and talk about universal credit, uh, people who say, look, trade is one thing, but peace, peace is another thing. Um, and, and it's something that I think we, we talked about weeks ago uh, when this first came up. We had people who negotiated with the Good Friday Agreement who said this, this, this border, this open border, this porous border is integral to ongoing peace in that part of the world. I do not see why the border cannot be still open. I don't see why there should be any uh, installations. There wasn't uh, any noticeable in- installations in the in the free trade uh, uh, period between 65 and 73. So you don't see why it should be? There, I don't see okay. why there should be any problem now. I was never stopped. There were no barriers across the road. I don't see why... Uh, there shouldn't be any problem. In any case, yeah. there are lots of unapproved roads which go backwards and forwards um, across the border, and it would be impossible anyhow to uh, uh, to control those in any case. Okay, David, thank you very much indeed. If you do work in freight, um, let me know what you're thinking right now, because... Um that would be very interesting. 03700 100 444. Just a few texts and tweets on this. John Dalton says, There has under world trade organisation rules got to be a hard border, either between Republic of Ireland and the UK or between the EU and Ireland or between Ireland and the UK. Otherwise, it is unviable. Stephanie says, Theresa May is running scared from the Brexit fundamentalists in her own party. Forget securing a good deal for Britain. She's trying to avoid a vote of no confidence. Uh, another one here. The EU is deliberately refusing to cooperate us with us on finding a way of establishing a soft border as a way of frustrating Brexit. If we tell them we will leave and control ingress from Ireland with a technological border, it will be up to the EU to decide whether or not to um, impose their own hard border. If, as they claim, the EU is set up to ensure peace in Europe, we will soon find out how important peace on the Northern Irish border is to the EU. Um, Look, we'll take more calls on that if you'd like, but I know there is a, a groundswell of interest in the issue of universal credit. This week, I don't know whether you heard, but the National Audit Office said um, the £1.9 billion universal credit system could end up costing more to administer than the benefit system it is replacing. Uh, I'd love your thoughts on this experience of universal credit if you've been moved onto it. Um, If you're working within that field, is this going to be better for people or not? Do get in touch. You know the number to call. Let's go to Dr Vincent McKee, first of all, who's calling us from Coventry. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, ma'am. Hi, what did you want to say? Well, one of the issues which has been debated is the question of abortion. Now, I speak as a member, or I'm a native of County Down in the north of Ireland, uh, Castle, the little town of Castle Willen. I've been living in Coventry and working there for many years, but I'm very much aligned and close to my home community. I regret the decision by the majority of the Republic's electors a fortnight ago. However, that's the way the cookie crumbles. What I'm extremely concerned about is that uh, the plan to, uh, by many in uh, the Republic and also at Westminster to try foisting the 1967 Act on Northern Ireland. Now, you know, I speak as someone who's been a pro-life campaigner all my life. Mm-hmm. I'm from the nationalist community. I'm a supporter of the SDLP. But I welcome the support given by good people like Jim Wells and uh, uh, Nigel Dodds and uh, uh, and their colleagues in the DUP. Hard, 
decent unionist people who, like me, share that Christian pro-life perspective. We are defending, uh, we are probably the only part now of the Western world which has a pro-life law which puts the life of the unborn child on a par with that of the mother. We are also defending Christian marriage too. Oh, yeah, oh, but, but I mean, there, there, there are women who would say, um, actually, it's not on a par. You're, you're, you're putting them above the rights of the woman to control what happens to her body. And, and that, a woman in Northern Ireland is going to look a few miles up and down and say, well, you know, I, I, my, my sisters in Ireland, they have control over their bodies where I don't. And my sisters in Britain have control over their bodies where I don't. Yes, I'm very familiar with the arguments used by the abortion lobby. I've been opposing them pretty well all my adult life. But what would you say? Um, to, what, what, why well, would that be right? My attitude to that is yeah. quite simply that the rights of the unborn child are paramount. For example, as Jim Wells put out, uh, you know, uh, we've had a legal abortion since 1967 in uh, GB, and, uh, you know, 200,000 abortions every year. It's Britain's only growth industry, and they're seeking to impose that on Northern Ireland. What do we celebrate every 17th of March? We celebrate the Christianisation of our country by our blessed saintly apostle Patrick. I want that Christianisation to remain. It is my prayer but it remains. And I'm very heartened to see good, solid unionists like Jim and Arlene and others joining with pro-lifers mm-hmm. in the SDLP and elsewhere. And I wish well to the dissident uh, pro-lifers in Sinn Féin and elsewhere to defend a pro-life consensus. Okay. It's part of our Christian heritage. Okay, well, and I, I value that. I, I, and I can hear that you do. And I'm welcoming others to comment. 03700 uh, We are taking calls on uh, abortion universal credit. I know they are coming um, very shortly, so you can get your thoughts in on that. This is an email from Charlotte who says, uh, in one way it's so ridiculously simple. If you think abortion is wrong, don't have one, but just don't prohibit it. Uh, to do that is to exercise control over other humans. And why would you want to do that? To say that many people alive now wouldn't have existed if there'd been the right of abortion, well, words fail me. There are too many of us in the world already. We know this absolutely. And perhaps within our own lifetimes, there will be multiple deaths over lack of resources, um, says Charlotte. And it goes on. Uh, This one here, John says, the problem is that women in Northern Ireland are being denied the rights that they would have in the Republic of Ireland or in the UK. And uh, Stephanie says the majority of abortions are carried out when the embryo stroke fetus is non-viable outside the womb. These are not unborn children. Stop using that phrase. Look, it's a very emotive subject. I know you feel very strongly about it. Let's take another. Diana Chaw is on the line. Hello, Diana. Hello, Lisa. Hi there. I'm all right. Thank you. You want to talk about abortion as well? Well, I'm I'm very glad that you read those um, previous emails out. And that last one is quite important because the fetus, and I'm not a medical person, I've just learnt this over time, the cells, first of all, become a fish shape, a fish type um, fetus, and then move on to an, uh, another shape of a, um, a hair, with hair and, and a tail, mm-hmm. and then... I, I tell you, but we, we can't go, we, we can't, yeah, we can't go yeah. through the whole gestation okay. period, but so, what is your feeling well, about... My point yeah. is that throughout history, women have taken care of their own reproductive rights. In a book uh, called Natural Birth Control, written in the 70s, can't remember the two authors, it states that in ancient Egypt, women would take powdered dried acacia spikes 
and dip a cotton wad into it, with, mm. which they then dipped in honey, dipped into the powder, inserted it into the vagina, mm. and used that as a contraceptive. So just a, again, now, da- yeah. finish it. It's yeah. now been found that yeah. the chemical ingredients of powdered acacia spikes is the yeah. same one used in spermicidal right. so, so, and so, cream. And da- da- Diana, 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 and the only reason is because because you're, you're giving us an. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair, I'm so sorry, but we are, and I would love to talk to people for a lot longer. But your point crystallised is my point is if they has, can take me yeah. methods to um, as contraceptive natural contraceptives then you can be pretty sure that if they did get pregnant they would make a tea of some herb okay. like uh, so, I don't know carrot, wild carrots so it has always one. been thus Diana thank you thank you Diana thank you very much let's go to Janet Martin who's calling us from Totnes hello Janet hello um, in the 70s a friend of mine went into hospital to have a small gynae op and she asked if she could be sterilised. She already had a son and two daughters. She was told, we need your husband's signature. So she didn't really want any more children, but that was how it was. Another friend of mine who had three little girls decided she'd like to try again once these three little girls were at school to see if she could have a little boy, perhaps. And to her horror, she found her husband had had the snip and she'd been on the pill. Now, this was control over women that men had in England in the 70s. And I think women should be able to control. Um, They are, after all, biologically um, in control of looking after the child because they can only have children biologically until they're about 50. That gives them, if they're lucky, another 20 years to rear the child, whereas men go off into the blue. They can father children and maybe yeah. look after them financially, but not much else. Okay. So I think it should be down to the women. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. 03700 Here is an email uh, from Alan from Stockport who says, uh, on the anti-abortion issue, what anti-abortionists fail to remember is that uh, far more babies were killed from illegal abortions so they should stop talking about all those babies that are being killed, either present uh, by the uh, are being killed either with the present law. Also, there was a case of a mother who died because an abortion was refused. That knocks on the head the idea that the fetus is a human life. These people shouldn't eat meat either, if that's what they think. Not sure exactly. Um, Anne is calling us. Hello, Anne. Anne. No, Anne has gone. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. Henry Marston, are you there? Yes. Very good. Very lovely to hear your voice, Henry. What did you want to talk about? Only since the uh, referendum in Ireland, it's been noticeable that every time a DUP uh, spokesman comes on, he and he's almost invariably he goes produces statistics about how many babies have been saved, how many lives have been saved, how many people are alive now, uh, just because we in Northern Ireland or Ireland have uh, very strict anti-abortion laws. I don't know how he gets his statistics. I guess it's we know how many legal abortions there are in mainland UK because they are legal. We do not know there's probably limited statistics on how many of those are Irish girls who have come across. We do not know how many illegal abortions. We do not know how many uh, girls have committed suicide, perhaps, losing two lives. I believe those statistics are very dubious. They need to be 
firmed so, up right. if, he, if he's going to quote that there's hundreds of thousands of people alive now that, but for our diligence would be no, not yeah. here. OK, Henry, thank you very much indeed. Let me read a few of uh, your thoughts. Ad, actually, a lot of you getting in touch on that Brexit conversation we started the programme off on. Uh, this one merging both. Uh, Jason says, it's pro-devolution when it comes to stripping you of your abortion rights and it's pro-Westminster when it comes to stripping you of your freedom of movement. It seems the DUP only has one consistent line to be as far right as politically possible. Uh, another one here. Uh, for the MP whose constituency voted for Brexit, if they go on to a uh, to tamper with Brexit, they should be deselected. Let's take another call on this. And this is sort of interesting because we know that the DUP, they, they find rebels within their party. It's another subject I'm very happy to talk to you about. If you are a, a member of parliament and you are a part of a party, if you go against the party line, if you go against your leader, what should happen to you? 03700 Let's go to uh, Colin Brewer. Dr Colin Brewer is on the line. Hello. Oh, Anna. I'm sorry, we are um, having... You probably can tell because, you know, it's seamless here, but it's a slight hiccup with our screen. Anna, are you there? I'm here, Mike Clark here. Right, OK. Mike, I'll talk to you because you're here and I'm delighted that you are here. What do you want to talk about, Mike? I'd like to talk about abortion rights as an XRE teacher. What do you want to say? Anna, you need to turn off your radio because we can hear an echo in the background. That's going to... I would like... Could you turn your radio like... off, please? I'll tell you what, while, like while, Mike's, say... while Mike's turning off his radio... Is it off now, Mike? Mike, you need to turn off your radio and then we'll okay. come back to you. And okay. in the meantime, I'm going to read another email out. Um, and somebody needs to put a, a penny in the metre because something's gone a bit haywire. This is from Adrian Jones who says... Uh, like the UK electorate, both major parties are split on Europe. Remember the lukewarm support for Remain of both May and Corbyn, which would, of course, allow either to readily accept either outcome. But the fundamental difference that divides people and politicians remains the elephant in the room. And perhaps it will very soon be time to consider what those differences might mean in the near future. Will we get a more pro-Europe government in the not-too-distant future? Um, with every hope of success to take us back in. Uh, that is from Adrian Jones. Now, I say that Dr Colin Brewer, Dr. Colin Brewer is on, on the line. line you have? Oh, you've been yeah. there, Colin. I've and been I... waiting at your, at oh. your beck and call. Do you know, yes. and I've been becking, I've been becking yes. and calling, yes. and I just well, couldn't I've hear you. all the time. Well, yes. did you, can hear, you hear me now? now? I can. Yes, what did you yes. want to say and what do you want well, to talk I, about? Well, I want to say that I had some quite energetic correspondence with uh, Mr Wells, uh, a few years ago, and I've just been looking at it again. He obviously took it very seriously because we had about exchanged about five emails in the same day. And basically, I, uh, I used to do a lot of research in the area of abortion, and I put it to him that if he is really as anti-abortion as he says, and he thinks that humanity begins at, at fertilization and that anything that interferes with it is murder, he's got to be just as opposed to the intrauterine contraceptive device, particularly the older ones, but the new ones as well. Intrauterine, we, is it, do you mean the, the, the coil, coil and the IUD? The uh -huh. Yes, the IUD, because although they work mainly by preventing fertilization, uh, they also work, they have a sort of backstop by mincing up or wiping off any, uh, any micro-babies, micro-humans, micro-Beethovens, as they usually put it, uh, that get attached to, to the uterus. Mm. And if he's, if he's 
completely refused uh, to get engaged with this eventually. He said he was passing it on to his experts, but he never got back to mm. me. And this, well, I mean, this, we, we, we're not sort of privy to that, and he's not here to say what happened. But, but, no, what, what, but, but your feeling he just... Is, he is one of several yeah. people to whom I've amused yeah. myself over the years by writing like this. Right. And they all say this correspondence is now closed, or I'd rather not talk about it, because they, if they realise that if they admit, if, if they accept the IUD, yeah. then they're accepting that abortion, early abortion doesn't really matter. I mean, nobody goes out on the streets and, yeah. and, and campaigns against IUDs. Right, you're saying that that happens as a, as a, a consequence of having an IUD and nobody makes any notion. Yes, of I mean, there okay. are millions it, of early it. abortions every year caused by IUDs, and people prefer not to talk about it. The abortions are of um, mini humans that are a few cells uh, in size, um, and, of course, they realise that people don't get very worked up about the moral status of something that's barely visible under a microscope. I'm grateful for your call, and I really am grateful for your call. You have no idea. Uh, things are going a little bit um, peculiar, but we're back on track now. It's all fine. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Um, I say we're going to talk about universal credit with hope in my heart. Uh, Tim Saint, are you calling to talk about universal credit? I am indeed. Oh, yes. thank <laughs> yeah. all that is holy. Uh, what did you want to say? Well, the debate yesterday on any questions was more about the sort of technicalities of the universal credit and whether people are getting in debt. And um, I would have to slightly support the government that they did make changes last year to, um, like for example, the 45p um, call charge to the line was now a free call mm. um, to the helpline. And also, there's no seven-day waiting period. Yes, but that lag was, biggest, was very yeah, controversial. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but the biggest issues, I think, in universal credit, they, I think the government will be let off the hook quite a lot by the opposition. Tell me what because, it is. Um, for example, when, when it was, uh, from when it was first um, going to be introduced, they removed council tax benefit from the uh, universal credit calculation, so people now have to pay council tax on top of their... Um, on the uh, top of the universal credit. There was also a work allowance for people without... uh... It was going well, wasn't it? Uh, 03700 100444. Leslie Aitchison, are you there? Hi. Oh, Leslie, hello. Um, Now, I'm assuming you want to talk about universal credit. Um, Yes. Right, Okay. so... So let me just remind people why we're talking about this. Um, We're talking about it because the National Audit Office has said this week that the amount it costs to set up Universal Credit, and the number they put was £1.9 it could end up costing more to administer than the system that it was replacing. So I'm asking whether you think the system, the new system, is going to be worth it in the long run. Leslie, over to you. What do you think? Well, I mean, the basic premise is fine, but it's been so incompetently rolled out that it's, I think, I think it's been, um, it's turned out even punitive to those who need the support of it. I mean, even the word sanction has a criminalising ring to it. But what I would like to say, if I can say it quite quickly, is that I would like to reiterate what um, Dame Louise Casey previously of Shelter was pointing out yesterday, she states four in ten people are seriously struggling and that that represents a population of people an area the size of Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Now, she says the government are just not listening and I would like to demonstrate how they've never listened all along by casting our minds back to 2012 when the DWP rolled out six pilot schemes across six regions of the country to test for the outcome of pain rent 
to the tenants rather than, as was previously the case, directly to the landlord. So so when the outcomes of the pilots prove negative to their proposed policy, i.e. a very large proportion who adopted to engage with the pilot went very quickly into rent arrears, they, the DWP, played down the results and rolled out their proposal of paying rent to the tenants anyway. And may I just add, I beg your pardon, that as reported by the BBC just earlier this year, 70% of council tenants in London on universal credit are now in rent arrears. Yeah, um, thank you for your call. I mean, I, I would just say if the, the, the government has um, said, and again, I welcome your thoughts on this, According to their analysis, those who are in work and claiming universal credit are better off by £600 a year. And they say that claimants are also better supported with tailored support from work coaches, help with housing, etc. Is that your experience? 03700 100 444. Michael Wilson is hopefully on the line from Sunderland. Hello, Michael. Hello there. That's lovely to hear from you. What did you want to say? My problem was um, I was involved in a car crash and I got peered off. And unfortunately, I had to go on to this... Um, I'm new to the system. I had to go on to this um, ES here. OK, I went for an assessment, but the, the line of questioning was just I had nothing to do with my actual injury. They asked us if I could use a remote control, mm-hmm. if I could um, use my phone, if I read a book, what time I went to bed, what time I got up, how much socialising did I do, and actually how did I get to the the um, assessment this morning and I went what's that going to do with my injury? Mm-hmm. I said I haven't even examined it so I'm sorry but that's the line of question that we've got anyway I failed the assessment and I was got kicked off there and I had to go on job seekers allowance mm-hmm. and just this week I found out when I had to go to, go to sign on that um, I've been took off job seekers allowance and put, put on ESA but I've, I've they stopped me money and the ESA we're supposed to start again on the thirty first of May. So you're so you're facing financial hardship as a result. Michael, thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. Um thank you all very much for your infinite patience uh today. Something a box somewhere probably has come a bit wonky and we need to hit it with a spanner. So we'll go and do that now. Um I won't be here next week. You will be in somebody else's tender cares. I'm off with the wreath lectures, but the week after that, see you then. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.